Welcome, everybody, to another live recording of the Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. My name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, a travel data platform of choice for leading travel management companies in more than 65 markets worldwide. You can read more about us at worldwideweb.agentivity.com. And hello, everyone. I'm Anne, and uh, I'm a consultant with uh, LeapShift. Happy to help you with anything related to retail, NDC, one order, and distribution. I also work as an instructor, both with IATA and Aeroclass. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. So, guys, thank you very much for joining us after the time zone change. Ash, it's a bit earlier for you. I'm sorry about that. Um, for those familiar faces in the audience, thank you for giving us your time. It's really nice to see you. The format of our discussion here today evolves around a post I do on a Friday where I've rounded up the news of the week, and then we talk about them a bit more here in detail. And again, you are more than welcome to join in. So last week was week 44 already of 2023, and my first story was just focusing on Air France KLM, who raised 1.3 billion euros in cash by mortgaging their frequent flyer database. So effectively putting a value against that and raising some cash against that value. Some say it's not a massive amount. It's obviously quite a big amount of money, but given what the actual database is in size, it's apparently not fantastically raised, but um, still well done for them to have some liquidity, I suppose, in their cash flow from that database. And I suppose we should have asked Mark uh, Ross-Smith to comment on this, right? But good move by them, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Yeah, very good move. It really proves again, right, that loyalty is valuable. Like I've said before, that their stake in Scandinavian Airlines is very much a a stake in the loyalty base, which is very, very large for this part of the world. But they obviously need the the money for something. I, I think it was mentioned on the post as well. My suspicions is acquisitions. Wait, where do you think that money is going to go? And welcome. Hi, good evening, Vian. Thank you. Yes, so I think on a macro level, I see this as a learning from United and American. From what I've looked up on the topic, you know, that Fly Blue, Flying Blue didn't actually perform as well as it appears, mainly due to two reasons. A, the co-branded credit card market is very less developed comparatively in Europe. And, you know, unlike the US, the airline market in Europe is more fragmented. So I just see this as a major attempt to, you know, reduce debt. Uh-huh. Okay, so not so much acquisitions. Ash, any comments from your side? Any thoughts? Well, I just kind of find it interesting that uh, both Air France, KLM are both retreating on the flight front. So they're flying less, right? So we heard the orally news. We heard the news of them reducing capacity everywhere. Flying Blue is kind of an appropriate name for that kind of a situation, is it not? Yeah, very good point. <laughs> okay, let's follow and see where they're going to spend their money. I think Christoph might have a comment. Let me try and get him on stage. I think that worked. Hi, Christoph. How are you? Good to be here again. Yeah, I guess uh, France and KLM need to raise money to invest. They are the second biggest grouping of flight carriers in Europe, but still they are relatively much smaller than Lufthansa Group and Star Alliance. So this is the issue that they need to grow to, to compete with Star Alliance and Lufthansa Group. Yeah, because also we need to remember that uh, France and KLM has problems at their own hubs. Amsterdam is already a subject to talk about what has happened this week. But then we need to remember that Chardegol is also an issue. There was a plan to build a new Terminal 4, which would be uh, just for SkyTeam, for Air France, for KLM and other SkyTeam partners. But the plan was before COVID, but then they decided not to build it. And very honestly, Chardegol is not a great airport to connect. 
But now let's talk about what happened at Schiphol this week or last week, as you've just mentioned. So late last week, we had the breaking news that uh, due to the reductions in flight capacity that's imposed on Schiphol by the Dutch government, JetBlue did not earn any slots for the summer 2024 season, which is shocking. Absolutely enormous news. First of all, they must have spent so much money. So isn't that a major setback, Christoph? Yeah, that is true. Money is lost. But this is why I guess Franz Keller was really interested to get into SAS. And then it might be another attempt in regards to TAP because they really need to grow and develop other hubs and also the issue is that if you look at Star Alliance and Lufthansa Group, the hubs are located in the middle of Europe, in central central of Europe. So still as the only alliance or the only airline group, they're able to connect passengers flying within Europe. With SkyTeam, it's probably Scandinavia to Spain, France, but that's all. So they should grow to be able to compete and also to develop new hubs if Amsterdam will not be able to offer that. And Chadego is not very convenient. Ash, um, how did that news of JetBlue you know, c- come across there in the US? I'm sure you've heard that, right? And Yeah, this is a real bummer. And I see they've petitioned that the US government should um, you know, hit back and limit KLM's options into the States, right? Probably yeah. won't happen, but... Um, no, it, it, it won't happen because we believe in um, something called uh, capitalism. <laughs> Fair enough. And what do you make of that JetBlue situation? I was really stunned. Well, all I can say is I really hope they can fly into Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, you know, I personally lobby for that. So <laughs> yes, that might happen. My next story was around a company called Volantio. I hope I pronounced that correctly. They found themselves another customer with Iceland Air, who's going to use their revenue rebook platform to um, obviously increase their revenue margins. I'm super happy about this. I really like what uh, Valencia is doing and, you know, with, with Iceland there. What's interesting is that this is a bit different from TravelX and what we've seen with Fly Bondi, because this is this is a way, of course, to tackle overbookings in a way that you offer passengers compensation to move to other flights. As you know, I really think that the TravelX solution, so I'm sort of interested in I wonder if Valencia will also move in that direction of also offering the possibility for people who are not flying, who wish to cancel their flights on a fully booked flight, that they can resell that back to the airline, which I think would make a great combo for Valencia to offer both products in that product suite. Yeah, I think I really concur the thoughts of uh, Anne over here. This is a very great win for Volantio. For sure, it is quite future looking. Uh, it will be very interesting to see the user feedback on this one as it does have an element of, you know, win-win for all involved. So maybe time will tell. This is quite the norm in North America with American, United and Delta. They all offer this immediate rebooking process within their mobile app today. They also allow you to get compensated for overbooked flights like Anne was just referring to. So I think that Iceland Air moving in this direction is definitely the right move for them. Staying with the European Airlines, uh, Play Airlines. Um, I saw this in a post by Alexandra. Um, Play Airlines becomes the first European low-cost carrier to sell their sort of upfront or front row seats with the middle seat blocked, pretty much like you would get on full-cost carriers' so-called business class. 
in Europe where you get pretty much the same seat, but the middle seat is blocked. I think that's a fantastic move by Play Airlines. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it makes those front row seats a lot more worth. So uh, well done to them. I'm sure, Anne, you agree? Totally agree on this. And then I'm, I'm so shocked that uh, some of, you know, carriers within Europe, of course, they um, they go in the other direction that they fill up all the, the premium seats so-called business class or whatever within Europe. For instance, Scandinavian Airlines, you would you would not have a blocked seat anymore. Really? So, Even in business? No. In business, no. You don't have a blocked seat. So you you literally have the same configuration and um, you sit up there, you know, with, with three people. Wow. Now, now speaking of them, before we go on to the others, um, was it also them that were introducing some extraordinary charges for seat assignments? Yeah, it's been a bit quiet about that one. Oh. Yes, officially, I've seen it posted, not not in English, though, that they've introduced a charge to actually to book a seat in the business or premium cabin uh, for long haul. It's $100. $100 to book a seat? $100 to book a seat. But I've actually heard someone was telling me that this is something that I don't know how many carriers in the Lufthansa group are introducing this. I've heard that they will be introducing a fee for booking a seat in in business and premium economy. And it's much higher than 100 of what I've heard, but I, I haven't seen anything official yet. Ash, what do you make of that, paying for your seat even though you're in business? I've never been a fan of this middle seat blockage thing. What's the point of it? I don't I don't quite understand. Are you trying to do that because you're trying to build a poor man's business class experience or are you doing it because you want the flexibility to then change that row without changing the seats? I think that the airline is a little confused about their intention. Yeah, you you, do, you don't get a different seat. You get exactly the same seat. Um, but it certainly doesn't make the traveler feel valued, right? So your <laughs> value. And then, you know, this is what leads to traveler's dissatisfaction, right? So I'm imagining a business class seat, you're giving me an economy seat, but pretending that the middle seat is uh, available to me. I mean, is it really available to me? No, it's also available to the person in the aisle, right? We're not talking long haul here. We're talking within Europe because I mean, long haul day, but I do think that someone was telling me that Air France booked that middle seat in business class. So if they have a configuration of 232 on long haul, transatlantic, they will actually put person in the middle seat in, in business. This reminds me of uh, the Qantas story uh, from a couple of weeks ago where they, they apparently have something called neighbor-free seat uh, where if the seat is available, you'll, you can book it $50 or $100. Yes, I recall that story. Um, speaking of Qantas, did you see that they've lost their top spot as the nation's favorite travel brand? <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> not, not surprised. Is that, is that a surprise? <laughs> So my next story was just about, again, bumper earnings. I mean, there's so many of these coming through. We got the results of Air France KLM and the IAG Group for their third quarter earnings. It was reported as, in quotes, monster earnings on uh, the airlineobserver.com. So Air France and IAG reported profits. IAG reported an operating profit of 1.7 billion euros in quarter three last year with an operating margin of 20%. And Air France KLM made 1.3 billion in operating profit with a margin of 15%. So extraordinary numbers. And I mean, it's just good times for the airlines at the moment, isn't it? 
some of those numbers in there are like amazing. I mean, especially when you look at IAG and you look at Welling. Um, it's interesting to see that British Airways is kind of a poor performer when you pair the, the airlines and the group, right? Yeah. But Air France KLM is, is uh, and now, of course, that they're moving out of uh, Orly, Air France. That was also interesting, uh, except for one flight to Corsica. But why would you keep one flight to Corsica? I, I just don't get it. But they're, of course, leaving Orly over to Transavia, which I was very impressed with, by the way. I was very impressed flying Transavia when I did so recently. Did you guys notice that earnings of Air France KLM is exactly the same number as what they mortgage for their frequent flyer mm, database. It's quite coincidental. That's mm. why I kind of had to read. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> That's why I was checking if I'm on the right story there or not, because that number is suspiciously the same. Christoph, welcome back. Now, I guess it was quite uh, obvious that the results for summer season will be very good because we see, this is also what Ayata is informing, that the traffic is almost like in 2019. Although capacity was smaller and fares are much higher. So the airing should be really very good. My next story, I really mucked up on this one, and I have to say, <laughs> I feel very bad about this one. I, I saw the headline in Business Travel News, posted by Michael Baker, and the headline, this is what the headline said, Travel Bank enables Lufthansa Group NDC bookings. And so I <laughs> assumed they've worked on the group booking ability of their app using NDC. And I was going to comment and say, of all the list of priorities, <laughs> how high up in the priority list is group bookings on NDC? As it turns out, and you've corrected me, it has nothing to do with group bookings. It was referring to the Lufthansa group, meaning that this enables obviously also working on Swissair and the other brands within the Lufthansa group. So my mistake there, still good good story. Travel Bank's gone ahead and you know done their integration so their users are able to use this on their app, etc., but well done for them, but it's got nothing to do with group bookings. So thanks for correcting me there, Anne. I would like to add that I wish we could talk more about how archaic group bookings are, <laughs> because that's an area that seems to be, I mean, you know, I really wonder about that. It's sort of nothing much has, has happened in that space in a very long time. That would be a good topic for another day. Ash, how did you read that headline? I read it the same way as you, Rian. Okay. Don't worry. But there's nothing fascinating about the story. I mean, enabling something is like saying I turn the light switch on, but there's no bulb. So what does it mean? Well, it would have been, it would have been a great story if it was group bookings. Everybody's enabling all sorts of things these days. Yes, fair enough. I just want to do something here quickly. And then speaking of enabling, well done for mentioning that word, Ash, because um, what's enabling our success with this show is really the audience. And I just want to turn to them and say thank you very much for giving us your time today, especially on a Monday. And especially with the time zone change, it's fantastic to see familiar faces and as well as new faces here every week. So that's really, really nice to uh, to see that. If you are a regular listener, you know that we, are, we encourage you to connect to as many people uh, in the audience as you can, because we do think, you know, more connections in the industry. Right? That's what we are about. That's what we call ourselves, linking the industry. Okay, so my next story turns to South America with Fly Bondi. You mentioned them a few minutes ago, Anne, but they're taking their ticket marketplace to the next level by allowing passengers to now also resell their tickets. So I wasn't uh, sure I understood the story correctly at all because initially they apparently only allow people to exchange tickets amongst themselves and they didn't allow previously for people to sell them but now you can go ahead and sell your tickets. Is that how you understand that story as well Anne? Yes it is and it's uh, the best story of the week. I'm really pleased about this because uh, 
what they are creating, of course, is a marketplace where they've already got the market and really liberating customers. And like the article says, they have been allowing name changes and exchanges and for you to actually give away a ticket to someone else using that platform. But now they will um, also extend this to the reselling. So on a full flight, I can't fly. Of course, it's so much better that, that I say to the platform, I'd like to sell it back. I don't make a profit off of it, but someone else can buy the seat. And from a sustainability aspect, of course, that's absolutely brilliant. It's a win-win for everybody. Oh, again, another great consumer story. Um, Ash, any thoughts on this one? I kind of uh, feel like we're going right back to what it used to be in the good old days when we would be able to do some of these things without any issue. So uh, it's a full circle moment for the travel industry. And Yeah, I totally agree, Ash. I think what Flybondi has been able to do here is uh, there is a lot of potential, quite future looking. This is where, you know, tech actually comes into the picture and solves a big industry issue. And you, as you were mentioning, you know, something that we were able to do earlier it creates value and a parallel revenue stream. I really can't uh, wait to trade my first ticket using this tech. You can trade it to me, Mohit. Let's see what happens. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> I'll take it, wherever it is. And I'd, I'd like to mention in all of this that uh, Royal Air Maroc are introducing exactly the same. Together with Fairline is the company, which is a competitor to TravelX. Super interesting, same concept. They've been also been working with Wego in uh, France, the, the rail company for exactly the same thing. Just absolutely brilliant. Consumer-friendly development. Now, speaking of not such a consumer-friendly development, um, I was contacted last week by Robert Keenan from Travel Counselors, brought to our attention that there is an EasyJet charge which is imposed on him. It turns out it's actually more to do with where he buys the EasyJet content from. So a few things in the comment there that um, brought a few things to light, if you want. The short of it is that as an agent, you don't really have the ability to book EasyJet directly on their site on behalf of a customer because they do catch on to it and they do then block you. So they want you to use approved aggregators or portals if you want. And some of those portals charge a very high point of sale fee. Robert was mentioning fees as high as 34 pounds on a ticket. But Anne, a lot of these things in here I wasn't aware of, right? I wasn't aware that as the agent, they struggled so much with booking that um, direct with EasyJet. Well, I can't understand for the life of me why EasyJet is not offering like an SME portal for small businesses where, where you can book and supposedly they don't. Why not? And uh, would this also be, you know, if you've implemented their API that you also charged? Others who imported good profits, but it's not all a great story. Uh, Sabre Corporation reported a 12% increase in bookings for their third quarter results. They've also increased their average booking fee, but they have, however, increased their overall quarterly losses. You know, I think we're definitely noticing a trend in the travel space where people are, you know, companies are trying to write off debt. I think there is a definite trend here, you know, being ready for any uncertainties in the future. All the developments and the speeding up of NDC adoption, I think the air distribution side in the GDS front should be facing a lot of pressure. 25% reduction in corporate travel, that was something that, you know, was the highlight for me. I'm sure events are making up 
uh, well for that. But uh, that's a very, very huge drop. That did stand out, absolutely. Ash, what are your thoughts on these uh, results from Sabre? This is very expected, right? I mean, business travel has uh, kind of been stuck at the 75% mark for a good year now. And I think it'll stay there. That's the new norm. Uh, so the fact that this is reflective in Sabre's numbers is not a surprise. But to expect business travel to be any more than 75% is just not realistic. That is the new norm of the travel industry. And what do you think? We're going to see the same story here from the others? Of course, I was also very surprised that the 25%, that was a very, very high number. But um, like Ash explains, that is what it is. When they say in the article that they raised the booking fee, I assume that is on their PSS side. Yes. And I've noticed that, of course, they've lost another airline. They've lost Vietnam Airlines to Amadeus. That's the third airline in relatively short space that they've lost on the hosting side. Obviously, that, that is why the price then goes up for those remaining. Korean Air ordering an additional 20 Airbus A321 newer aircraft. I guess there's a long list. I don't know how long it's going to take. So um, those were the stories on my list. Ash, over to you. Do you have any extra stories for us? So here's the sad story of the day. Swoop Airlines, uh, the low-cost airline in Canada, officially flew their last flight uh, this weekend. And uh, they launched about five years ago. Uh, they have officially been uh, swooped under WestJet's branding. Uh, WestJet took them over. And uh, so now their planes will be rebranded as WestJet. Their employees will be brought into the WestJet fold. Uh, so there's no more Swoop Airlines as of this past Saturday. That is sad. Do you have a happy story for us as well? Finnair celebrated their 100th anniversary. I think they're number six oldest. Can you imagine? Hey, Rian, I have something hot off the presses. So Air India just suspended all its flights to Amsterdam because it was not able to get slots. What? They had four flights a week from New Delhi to Amsterdam, and now they were not given any slots. So now that those flights have been suspended. Is, is this airport closing or what's, what's, what's happening? Very, very strange. Wow, that's a very interesting move by India. So instead of giving them any business till then, they just suspended it. Wow, that is that is incredible. Wow. Okay, yeah, very makes good. you think that they're closing. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for the breaking news, Ash. This is all very good. So I think that wraps it up. I do have a little quiz question for you, uh, Ash and Anne. Do you know if your passport is biometric or machine readable? It's one of the two. It's not, can't be both. Machine readable. How do you know that? Because I put it on a machine and it reads it. <laughs> how do you know it's not biometric? <laughs> and I have a biometric passport, yes. And how do you know that? I'm just told it's a biometric ah, passport. Okay, very good. <laughs> I think it says somewhere on it. This is one of the questions posed to you by uh, Lufthansa slash Swiss when you do your online check-in. They ask you, which is your passport? Is it biometric or is it uh, machine readable? And I find it astonishing that they you can't choose other or don't know. Or I'm not sure. <laughs> you have to choose. And it makes you really nervous because you don't know if you're choosing the right option, right? Yeah, exactly. What happens if it's wrong? They yes. just say, no, sorry, no, I... no boarding. Well, what's yours? What's yours? I still don't know. So I know it's machine readable, <laughs> but it could also be biometric. I don't think it's exclusive, but there we go. Anyway, guys. That's mine, is also, mine is also human readable, by yes, the way. Yes, well, there we go. <laughs> so that's it from my side. So just to say thank you very much to you in the audience. And of course, to Mohit Christoph uh, for joining us and to Ashana Anne. Thank you very much. Over to you, Anne. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And uh, special thanks, of course, there to, to Mahit and Christoph. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please do share this event with everyone that you know. Chances are high that if you enjoyed today's session, 
others that you know will as well. And if you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, the session is available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. 